What's up? Welcome to Point Blake, episode number 16. I'm Chantel Chen, joined alongside Akeem Haynes. It's the final episode of the year. And remember, if you like the content that we're putting out, if you watch the show, make sure to hit that subscribe button. You can also hit us up on YouTube by dropping comments on IG and Twitter, and you'll see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us. So before we get the show started, Akeem, how was your Christmas and uh, did you get super festive? Um, I wouldn't say festive. Um, if, if, if you want to call like eating certain desserts festive, then absolutely. Um, <laughs> I actually want to thank you for the cookies that you sent until I appreciate oh, it. It was, a, it, was a, it was a great uh, surprise but there's not a lot of cookies left. So if I do gain these 10, 15 pounds, I'm literally blaming it on you. But- um, Hey, 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 just enjoy yourself, okay? But, enjoy yourself. You no, know, it wasn't too bad. You know, um, one thing for me is I always try to put things in, into perspective as we spoke about last time. Um, a lot has happened this year, but I'm grateful that we're, that we're still here and able to smile and able to just be in the moment of the holiday season. Um, but what about you? How was, how was your holidays? How was your Christmas? And- there's a little snow over that end from what I understand. There is, um, you know, lots of family time, which is always good. Um, but yeah, a little bit of snow here in Van City. It's cold. Um, we're breaking records out here. It got up to <laughs> minus 11 Celsius and it was really cold. My hands are freezing. It's, it's just super cold. But you know what? Um, it was nice to finally have snow on Christmas, like on Christmas morning. It's been a while since we've gotten that here. So that was exciting. But, you know, of course, Akeem and I would like to, you know, wish everyone a happy new year as well before we get the show started. And we really hope that you had a wonderful Christmas with your family and friends. Look, so we're going to get into a couple things today, right? Usually at the forefront of it, you know, we always give you the rundown, the overview of what we're going to be talking about. Well, this time, since, you know, it's a special end of the year, we're going to keep it a little bit of a secret and we're just going to break down what is in front of us today. Because towards the end, oh man, we got some great things that we're going to discuss. Chantel, we are going to get into right now um, the bowl games in the NCAA. Look, this is there's always exciting games, uh, but the bowl games make it that much more exciting because now it gives that playoff, high pressure, intensity type of feel. There's a bunch of bowl games, Chantel, and I want to get your take on which bowl game are you most excited for and give us a little context behind why. Here are some of the games. Peach Bowl, right? Penn State versus Mich Michigan State. The Cotton Bowl, number one, Alabama versus number four, Cincinnati. The Orange Bowl. The Georgia Bulldogs, number two and three versus the Michigan Wolverines. Rose Bowl, right? You, you, California, right? You got the shirt. Yeah. Rose Bowl, right? Utah versus Ohio State and the Sugar Bowl, Baylor versus Ole Miss. Until what game are you looking forward to the most? All right. Well, I think everyone is really obviously looking forward to those playoff matchups, right? I know he might pick Bama and Cincy because, you know, might, that's I his might. alma mater. Exactly. But of course, the Orange Bowl as well, Georgia and Michigan, which I think is going to be dope. I don't know how Akeem know, like, knew about this, but I'm going with the Rose Bowl, man, the yeah, Utah yeah, Utes yeah. and the Ohio State Buckeyes. Listen, OSU has one of the best offenses in the entire country, C.J. Stroud. I mean, whether you had him winning the Heisman, I think 
Bryce Young kind of pulled ahead, but one or two, he's had an incredible season. And then you got, you know, true freshman running back Travion Henderson. He's been a beast for OSU as well, but their run defense a little bit sus. And I only say that because, you know, Michigan ran all over them. The Wolverines had a game against that run defense on the flip side, though, OSU's D-line is absolutely solid. Let's go over to Utah, though. Cam Rising, you know, quarterback for Utah. He didn't start the season as their starting quarterback, but he came in and never looked back. He's had an incredible season. And, you know, Utah, they started the season off a little bit slow, but they really picked it up near the end of the season. They also spanked Oregon twice, which Ohio State lost to. I, I know everyone was saying they weren't the Ohio State team that they are now, but I still want to throw that in there because they spanked Oregon. They didn't just get by Oregon. They spanked them. You know, offensively, they're really good. They have about 400 yards per game. Uh, Tavion Thomas, the running back, he's had an incredible season for Utah as well. I think if Utah establishes the run really early, they're going to be having themselves quite a game will they be mm. able to do it against this osu defense well if osu has fixed their run defense that i think it's going to be tough for them but you know utah also has a very good pass defense uh they lead the pack 12 in sacks uh, devin lloyd get used to hearing that name he's one of the best linebackers in the entire nation and he can stop the run and he's very good in coverage situations as well this guy is an absolute stud uh, i do believe he's going to be entering the nfl draft as well but uh, he's someone to definitely look out for. And, you know, I know I have a little bit of a Pac-12 bias because, you know, I'm bit. a Pac-12 girl. <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah. Um, listen, like I said before, if uh, Utah can establish the run, I'm still thinking OSU's, you know, run defense is sus. But OSU has one of the best offenses in the entire nation. You could argue they have the best offense. But... I'm going to go with the Utah Utes. Uh, again, the upsets. I believe OSU is a six-point favorite. Uh, I think Utah is going to cover that. I think Utah is going to win. It's hard for me to believe that, you know, even though Utah has a good defense, they'll be able to stop one of the best defenses in the entire – sorry, one of the best offenses in the entire nation. But I got to go with Utah winning the Rose Bowl. And uh, Pac-12 champions are definitely going to get this one. What about you, Akeem? Which bowl game to you is the most interesting? And which one are you most looking forward to? That's a great take. Um, man, you have Utah upsetting Ohio State. Okay, Chantel. Contrary to what you may think, what most people may think, you know, Akeem, you went to Alabama. Of course, you're going to pick Alabama. No, I'm actually not going to. Georgia versus Michigan for me, Chantel, because I'm always about the stories. Let me paint the picture because one team is coming off the biggest win against that Ohio State team in the Jim Harbaugh era, and the other is coming off their first loss of the season against the number one team in the country now. Michigan has played the base of the season um, before against uh, against Ohio State, that big game, they did not have a good record coming in. They had more losses in the past 10 years to Ohio State. Ohio State always seemed to have their number, but this year they were able to flip the script and come out on top and doing it quite convincingly. They were very well coached. They outclassed them. They stayed composed and they did what they had to do. And it just seemed like everything worked in their favor for them. They had the, they had the, they had, uh, now, I don't believe in perfect games because no game is perfect, but that was pretty close. And they almost they, they, they needed to play that perfect game in order to beat that or to, or to beat that Ohio State team. So they have a lot of momentum going into the game. 
a lot of emotion that was played out. But I'm wondering, is that emotion, is that kind of like them winning the whole thing already? Right? It's hard to duplicate that. So that's a question that I think they'll have to answer. Now let's go over to Georgia. Georgia's coming off their first loss. They got, <laughs> they got draped up by Alabama on national TV, right? You're looking at the Georgia fans. They're there looking, man, there were Georgia fans going like this. They were going like this. I was just like, you can do all that head movements and thing. You just got, you got draped up on national TV, right? But here's the thing. Georgia is a well-coached team and Kirby Smart has been to the big game. He knows what it's going to take to get there. That mindset, that mentality, that focus, getting a team that took a loss and getting them to come back together and say, you know what? We aren't out of this yet. But what makes a championship team, Chantel, is how they respond to adversity. Everybody's great until they lose. Everybody is rolling with who they're going with until something happens. And so the question that I think they are going to have to answer is, who are we now? How do we respond to this? Because if they don't respond accordingly, Michigan, I think with all that they have and all of now, they're, now, what, now they prove that they can beat one of the top five teams in Ohio State. Look, if they can stop the most, Ohio State had the number one offense scoring 48 points per game, right? You know Georgia doesn't have that same firepower, but defensively they do. Or so we thought they did until they played Alabama. But I think Kirby is going to correct those spots. And I think Jim Harborough, I think he's going to have to get his team to control their emotions and to get redialed in and to see what they can do. There's a lot of questions that has to be answered. But for me, it is going to be number two versus number three. Who is going to win? Michigan. Ooh, so you're not picking Georgia. You're not picking that Georgia-Bama national championship look look you know you know i'm georgia you know i'm alabama you know i'm sec right but i just think man i don't know if michigan right now to me seems like a more complete team right yeah and i don't know if georgia has the offensive firepower to be able to to score that 30 40 points anymore based on what just happened right and we all know now georgia cannot play from behind right? They get worried. They get a little flustered. Playing from in playing when you're winning is a whole different story than when you're playing from behind. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but I think Michigan wins and I think it's going to be a spread larger than 14 points. I know Akeem crazy. Akeem, you're talking reckless, but this is what I think. This is what I think it is. Point blank would love to know what bowl game do you are you most excited about we would love to know in our comment section on youtube you can tweet us on twitter the point blank pod or on instagram at the point blank pod until we got to keep it in the gridiron we got to talk about the cincinnati Bengals, right big big game the other day well they played this team twice and beat them twice talking about the baltimore ravens now the baltimore ravens had a bit of a mishap missteps with injuries uh, really they haven't really been healthy all year but we have to get to the conclusion, right? Are the Cincinnati Bengals, Chantel, the best team in the AFC? And tell me why, if you do think so. Listen, uh, record-wise right now, yes, they are. I also feel like they're more of a complete team when you look at the pieces that they have on the squad. Offensively, you know, they've really built chemistry over, you know, the last Mm -hmm. second half of the season. They look great right now when Joe Burrow has actually stepped in. The only reason I say that they're not the best team in the AFC North 
they're not battle tested to me, right? Ooh. Like you mentioned, the Ravens have been depleted because they've had so many injuries, including no Lamar Jackson. He injured his ankle against Cleveland on December 12th, and he's been out since. And that's been a big reason why the Ravens haven't been able, you know, to stack W's in the win column. And, you know, Huntley was filling in for him. In my opinion, he was doing great. By the way, Huntley oh, well. uh, played for Utah, right, um, which we just talked about. And, you know, the Bengals, like I mentioned, they look good offensively. Uh, they come up big defensively in moments where they've had to in games. But, you know, have they been battle tested? They're still a young team. They still have a young quarterback in Joe Burrow. Sure, they have vets on the squad, but because they haven't been battle tested, because they don't have a playoff win underneath their belt. And, you know, because the Ravens, to me, the fact that the Ravens have Lamar Jackson, they're still the best team to me and the team that I can see going moving forward in this postseason. So to me, the Bengals right now, this is such a crazy division. Are they the best team? Yes, record wise. But when it comes to experience and if they were to play in a game against the Ravens, and Lamar Jackson was healthy and they weren't so injured, I would pick the Ravens over them just because of the experience factor and the fact that Joe Burrow hasn't really been battle tested in a very big game. So, you know, the Bengals watch out for them. I think they're going to cause some problems right now. They're sitting pretty and the Ravens are trying to secure that wild card spot. So we'll see what happens. Um, but to answer the question, they are record wise, but if Lamar Jackson is healthy, I'm saying the Ravens are the best team in that division. What about you, Akeem? I say yes right now, Chantel, just based on what you just said. Um, I think that they are a more complete team because they're more healthier than, the, than that Ravens squad. And so it was hard for me to see when Lamar does come back that that ankle is still going to be a problem. They're still going to be missing pieces, right? I don't know if that is going to be enough. They just seem like like something is off, like they never can get their rhythm, right? Because they're always, guys are always going down and something comes up. But man, I was watching the full game of that game yesterday with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I was like, wait a minute. Did Joe Burrs forget that he's at Cincinnati? Because I felt like he was, he, he, he was playing like he was at LSU, right? He was, you look at this, you look at some of those core pieces that he has, right? Offensively, Joe Mixon, right? Joe Mixon, uh, Jamar Chase, uh, who had a monster game, T Higgins had a monster game, Tyler Bird, they have a very versatile offensive squad. And one thing I know about football, Chantel, is when you get that cohesive momentum, right, with the core group, your receivers, your tight ends, there was a play where it was obviously bad tackling by the Ravens, but there is no way that Joe Burrow should be breaking defensive and defensive tackles uh, tackles, uh, breaking their tackles and still rolling and scrambling. There was a time I was watching the game with my little brother and I was, and, and even he said, he was like, how, how does he have this much time to throw the football? And I said, man, I have no idea. 520 yards until there was a pass that he threw uh, to uh, to Joe Mixon, and he wasn't even trying to make that pass. And then the camera zoomed in on his eyes and he did the Michael Jordan, like, yo, I wasn't even trying to do that, but it happened. That's a confident man. Yeah, he's young, but he don't know any better, right? He don't know. He don't know that if they win these next two games, they can be 11 and six. Last year, Chantel, they were four and 11. Even if they don't do, if, it, if, if they don't win any other game, this season statistically is a success. 
So they're playing now for bragging rights to say, you know what? Yeah, Lamar Jackson and Baltimore Ravens are over there, but, but we beat them twice. So I think right now they are the best team because they are the healthiest team, the most complete team, but the most confident team. 520 yards? <sighs> that is, look, that's one of those games where you say, you know what, I'm kind of nice. You know, I so like, I'm kind of nice, right? And so right now I think confidence, complete team, being healthy, I think right now uh, they are the best team in the AFC. Chantel, as we know, the playoffs and the AFC hunt is in full swing there's a lot of teams that are just like on the cusp of it right on the cusp of it right kind of like kind of like which we're going to talk about next but kind of like when kd right was about to take out the brooklyn net or the the milwaukee bucks and he's his his his, his foot was on the cusp of the line it's a lot of teams on the cusp of getting into that playoff team playoff season but i want to ask you which team do you think will make it, right? It's crunch time. There's about two games left. Which team do you think will sneak in there? Well, let's just take a look at, you know, those AFC wildcard standings. What teams are about to make it and not make it? So the Ravens are on that line sitting in that final wildcard spot. The Chargers, the Raiders, the Steelers, and the Dolphins. Now, I just want to give a shout out to these Dolphins, all right, because they've had a great story to their second half of the season. They look a lot better than they did early on. They've won six in a row, but they've won six in a row against the Texans, the Ravens, which are a pretty decent team, uh, but the Jets twice, the Panthers and the Giants, and only one of those games were on the road. So I do feel that the Miami Dolphins are a bunch of pretenders, and I don't think they're going to get in. Um, but great season to them, and I think they are going to be a problem once they add more pieces, uh, and their defense is playing a lot better as well. Now, the Ravens have been playing hurt, right? No Lamar, but on their schedule, they have to play the Rams and the Steelers next. The Rams is going to be a really tough game for them to win. I do think if Lamar is healthy, they get the W against the Steelers. Then you got the Chargers. Right. The Chargers, like, you know, I'm not trying to hate on them and be biased, but there's something about them where they also haven't really been battle tested with a young quarterback like Justin Herbert. But I think they have the easier schedule. They have to play the Broncos and the Raiders in the final game of the season. So the Chargers, I do think they have the best probability to get two W's before the season ends. Good word. It's college word right there. Probability. I'm trying, you know, I'm reading the dictionary. Anyways, <laughs> Urban Dictionary. <laughs> um, um, and then the Raiders, who I hope get in and they still have a chance. I think they have like a 33% chance. Um, but they play the Colts and the Chargers, which makes that Raiders-Chargers game at the end of the season one of the biggest games of the year. Because I actually think, you know, if Lamar Jackson isn't healthy, if the Ravens don't get healthy, I think they're going to have some trouble getting in. Because I actually do believe that the Raiders can also beat the Colts and the Chargers. Don't sleep on the Colts, though. Um, But I actually think it's going to be between the Chargers and the Raiders for me, who gets into that final wildcard spot. Because I don't know how healthy Lamar Jackson is. And he needs to be mobile. And his ankle is that injury. So he's taking the last two weeks off. And I'm really curious to see if he will be healthy. If anyone can do it and get their team a win, it's Lamar Jackson. Let's be serious here. But I think he has to be healthy and the Ravens have to be healthy. And like you said, when it comes to confidence, after you know dropping a couple of games, I think the confidence in that locker room, even though they might not say it, there's a little bit of worry in that locker room because they have to win out. And playing the Rams is not going to be easy for the Ravens. What about you, Akeem? Who do you think in that AFC wildcard race is going to make the postseason. 
you don't let me ask you this before before I give my take. You don't you don't think you don't think the Colts have a shot? Oh, the, the Colts are sitting pretty. I think the Colts make it either way. Um, they're mm-hmm. one of those teams. I believe they have nine wins already. I think yeah. the Colts are getting in regardless. I think the teams are on, on that cusp. So from the Ravens down, and like I said, Miami, bunch of pretenders. I don't think they're, they're going to get in. So it's between, you know, for me, uh, the Ravens, Chargers, and the Raiders. And I don't think the Steelers are going to get in. No, I don't think so. I don't think, I don't, I don't, they're not playing too confident right now. Um, I don't think Ben has the, 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 I don't think he has that thing anymore, that will to help them get through um, unless they run with Najee Glass, give him 35 takes, 35 uh, touches. Um, I'm going to say, Chantel, for me, it's the Chargers and the Ravens and the Ravens with the one contingent of Lamar Jackson obviously being there. Um, because even if he is only able to play 80, 85%, the fact that he, his dual threat ability gives him that extra edge. And I just think he's one of the most dangerous QBs when he's healthy. And even the Lamar Jackson, that's 85%. He can do enough to get them in position to do well, but I'm going to say the chargers though. See the chargers for me, man, they just, they're like a team where like, they're good, but you're still not really sure yet. Right. They have a great bunch of pieces. Herbert's playing well, um, but they're just something about them where it's like, man, one week you're just like, wow, that is a great team. The next week you're like, man, I don't know. Right? Hey, guys, they're doing something just is off. But the schedule favors them. And I think if the schedule favors you, the chance to be able to do it. Um, just brings up the tally a little bit more because you don't have to blow out any of these teams. You just have to find a way to win. Right. And I think they have a winning record and you would like to think that in the close games that they can move the ball to get to field goal range and do what they have to do to get into the playoffs. Right. Because this is a team that did well last year. Now they have Herbert again. You know what he can do. You know what he's able with the receiving core, the defense. I think if they don't make it into the playoffs this year, I think they're going to get rid of a lot of pieces next year. And I'm thinking on that coaching staff before anything, because when you, you always have these expectations, right? And when the season at the beginning, they were doing well, you're like, man, this is a dangerous team. They could do something here. They're still that team. But as I've said, as I've said before in previous episodes, Chantel, winners win, right? And so they are going to have to find a way to win. And I think that they're more than capable of it. The Broncos aren't having a good season. The Raiders aren't having a good season, but they had a lot of things happen to them. If, Ever since I started playing football, uh, one of the coaches that I always used to say, he used to say, Akeem, the games you have to win, you have to win. Chargers, they got to win these games. They are more than capable of winning these games. These, these, these two teams, out of everybody else, this schedule favors them the most to be able to get there. So will they do it? I guess a lot of things will be answered in the next two weeks. I think that they will, but I also think if they don't, I think there's going to be a lot of changes on that coaching staff, but we would love to know who do you think will make it in the last two games for that season push to get into the playoffs. Chantel. Let's go Raiders. Okay. Sorry. They're doing <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's going to be a good game. Just, just mark my words. Okay. We got to get past the Colts first. Well, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to run all over you guys. So I don't think you guys will even go make a difference. We'll to... that. I'll take, I'll take that bet. <laughs> we need to go over to the NBA because man, there is always something in the NBA. They play every day. Uh, sometimes what I feel like we've done 
right? We're in a generation where sometimes we take great performances, great plays, and great talent for granted, but not on point blank because it's the season finale. So, you know, we have to talk about our top five moments or plays of the 2021 season, Chantel. Give me, give me number five. What's number five? All right. I made a pretty solid list. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I can't wait to hear your list. Uh, by the way, drop your list as well in the comment section. You can hit us up on Twitter and IG as well. Number five, I'm going to go with Nikola Jokic winning MVP, the first Serbian player to ever win mm-hmm. it. And also the lowest draft pick to be named MVP as well. He went in the second round pick 41. Like, this is absolutely amazing. Jokic also, you know, a big man. It's been a while since a big man won the MVP award. And I think uh, that was one of the best and uh, biggest moments of the NBA season in 2021. Number four, I got to show some love to Carmelo Anthony passing Moses Malone on the scoring list. Uh, He dropped a tray against the Memphis Grizzlies back in October, and he is ninth all time now on that scoring list right behind Shaquille O'Neal. Number three, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, and it was in my top three because I think it's one of the most memorable performances of the postseason. It's when Kevin Durant dropped 48 points in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks. The Nets lost in OT. Now, personally, I know, you know, Steve Nash is an absolute god up here in the north, especially in my parts uh, in BC because he's from Victoria, right? Um, And he's in uh, Vancouver often coaching man uh, to be honest like KD shouldn't have been out there for that whole game if he was a little <laughs> bit rested a little mm-hmm. bit rested I think he would have hit that last second shot because he was on fire and unstoppable but the performance that KD put on you know to come back after an Achilles tear just amazing and I I love to see it KD is one of the most exciting players in the league and when healthy I think he's actually the best player in the NBA right now um arguable but to me, that was number three, and I had to show some love to KZ, Katie, Easy Money Sniper. Uh, number two, it was Steph Curry passing Ray Allen for most three-pointers. Happened at Madison Square Garden. What a better place to pass Ray Allen's record than at Madison Square Garden. Ray Allen was there. Reggie Miller was there. And for me, uh, it kind of brought back some memories when Ray Allen passed Reggie Miller Uh, I remember that game like it was yesterday. Uh, He was playing for the Celtics at the time. The Celtics were playing the Lakers. And I remember, uh, you know, they were on a fast break. Rondo passed it off to Ray Allen. And Kobe was trying to run up, uh, you know, to defend the shot. But um, it was too quick. Ray Allen drops the tray. And then, you know, they shake hands. And the best part about it at Madison Square Garden, when Steph passed Ray Allen, Reggie Miller and Ray were there. And Mm, and to me, that's like a great NBA moment. Right. The fact that happened at MSG too, like that is the Mecca of basketball. So I loved it. Number one, um, no doubt about it. It was the Milwaukee Bucks defeating the Suns in six in the NBA finals. First time in 50 years that the Bucks won the championship. And let's give some major props to Giannis Antetokounmpo, because I think what he did in Milwaukee is just as big as what LeBron did in Cleveland. In fact, I think what Giannis did is bigger because he didn't have another superstar playing beside him. Chris Middleton is not a superstar. He is arguably an all-star even at that. Um, But the fact that Giannis was able to help Milwaukee win a chip, it's absolutely amazing. He did it at 26 years old, which is insane. And to me, that was the biggest moment in the NBA this year. I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again um, for a very long time, at least. 
Um, so, you know, the fact Giannis stayed in Milwaukee, everybody was saying, yo, he has to leave Milwaukee to win a championship. You know, he has to go form a super team. Is he going to go down to Miami? There was so much talk that Giannis was going to leave and he stayed in there and it was a little bit old school because a lot of guys aren't cut from that same cloth where they stay with one team anymore. There's so much movement in the NBA and the fact that he stayed, despite the fact that he didn't have another superstar, he had some really good, you know, a depth on that bench and then some good role players. You could argue, like I said, that Middleton is an all-star, but um, for me, he kind of is on the cusp of that. So the fact that Giannis was able to win that chip for Milwaukee Number one for me uh, on, you know, one of the most memorable moments for the NBA this season. What about you, Akeem? Tell me your top five and start off with number five. That's such a great list. Yours is yours is more um, informal and more educated than I am, than, than mine is, because mine is performance. Hey, do your thing. Right, mine is performances, right? So number five, Chantel, we got to talk about something that 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 actually recently happened. And it, remi- it gave me a flashback when I saw it. I don't know if you saw that, that, uh, that dunk that Anthony Edwards dunked over uh, Gabe Vincent. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. It reminded me of when Vince Carter dunked over that dude at USA Championship. I was like, oh my gosh. I was looking at it just like, man, this man must have like a 48 inch vertical, right? It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was beautiful, Chantel. So that's number five for me. Number four, Steph Curry, when he scored 62 points against the Blazers. You know what Steph Curry has done to all of us? right, is whenever we're looking at the box score and we see how much points he may have, we're not looking at the points per se. We're going over towards to see what his three-point percentage is. How many did he make? He was eight for 16 that night. Now, I'm not the best at math, but that's 50%. You know what I'm saying? 50%, which means that his 62 points was efficient in how we did it. So that's number four for me, Chantel. Number three, uh, Nikola Jokic, 50 points. 12 assists, eight boards, and three blocks against the Utah Jazz. First center to do that since Kareem, to put up 50 points and 10 assists. That Utah team has a man that, what, has three or four defensive player of the years now, Rudy Gobert. And Jokic said, you know what, I'm still going to have 50 points, and I'm still going to pass, and I'm still going to get boards, and I'm going to block you a couple times. What a great performance, because Jokic never, when you look at certain people, you're just like, wait a minute, how is this guy athletic? How is this guy this dominant? You look at at him, and you're just like, yo, I'm going to make this guy eat. I'm going to take his food. I'm going to take his family's food, but then you see the guy and you watch him play and it's the complete opposite. And he actually takes your food and <laughs> takes your plate. So that performance right there was, 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 uh, was great because it, this is a center doing that. So for me, that was a great performance. Uh, number two, should, uh, as you can see, I'm going performance-based out here. Yes. Uh, now, I think that Bucks championship was great. The city needed it. Um, Giannis and the squad, they proved that they belong and they need, and they did everything to get there. But also let's be honest as well too. There's a lot of things that went their way for them to get that, right? James Harden, if his hamstring was right, little different story. If Kyrie was there, little different story, but that's all excuses. That's he say, she say, whatever the case may be, the reality is Giannis came in game seven and said, you know what? I'm not allowing this to go back to Phoenix. And he had 50 points, 14 rebounds, five blocks. And he was sitting on the bench, uh, 
sitting in the stands after the game was done and he had the tear coming down and it was a beautiful moment. But I think inside of his head, he was also saying, I don't know if I could have played any better than that. <laughs> I don't think he could have played any better than that. That performance has to, even if you're not a big Giannis fan, has to go down of one of the greatest playoff performances of all time in a closeout game. I like that. I like that Giannis I'm talking about. Number one for me, Chantel. Kevin Durant in the triple-double, 49-10-17. and 17. And here's why I got to say that. Yes, you know, they didn't, they didn't win that game. But we always knew that KD could score. We always knew he could rebound. But did we know that he could do all of the three things, score, rebound, facilitate, run the offense, play defense, do all of those things all in one if he was called to do it? And he answered the question. He's like, of course I can do it. And he did it every single playoff stretch that he was in during that game. It just wasn't enough. But I think now we can see you look at KD and you're like, man, this dude can't play defense like that. Yeah, he's long. He's lanky. He can shoot. But he alone is not going to be able to facilitate and make the team better. And for me, there are certain performances that bring people in the category of who is the greatest of all time. And I don't care what anybody else says. It's very opinionated. But this puts him in that category of like, man, remember when he did this. And, we, and, 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 and if you're a basketball fanatic, you will be talking about one of these performances of when people say, oh, MJ's performance won the flu game. But then now you can say, man, but remember when Kevin Durant had the triple double and his feet was on the line. And if he had two, uh, uh, if he was a size 10 instead of a size 12, they would have won the game. So Chantel, those are my five performances of 2021. Point blank would love to know if any of ours made your list or what were some of your top performances. You can let us know on YouTube, let us know on Twitter at, at Point Blank Pod or at Instagram at, at the Point Blank Pod. Chantel, man, I felt like this has been a great year of combat sports, you know, mainly yes. boxing, you know what I'm saying? We have been, um, personally, I know for me, I've been watching boxing since I came to Canada, since I was nine, 10 years old. It's my favorite sport, right? Contrary to what people may see, you may see the track and field up there. No, no, no it's boxing over here, Chantel. Now, I know when we put this on there, I was excited to talk about it. Our top five fights of the year, Chantel. I want to do something different that um, than the last time. You're going to go at five, then I'm going to go at five, then you're going to go at four, and I'm going to go at four, and we'll see if we got the same list. Chantel, man, set us off at number five. What is your top five performance? What is number five? I'm so excited right now. All right, number five, I got to go with Steven, cool boy, Steph. Fulton mm. versus Brandon Figueroa. You know, this was a 12 round battle and cool boy, Steph, I think he solidified himself as one of the young boxers that you definitely got to check for Brandon Figueroa though. He was coming at him, you know, he's a brawler. He was, you know, stalking him in that ring, but this was just an absolute battle, such a great fight. Yeah. And that's number five on my list. Don't sleep on this fight. If you haven't seen it, make sure to go check it out. All right, Akeem, what is your number five? Mm, 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 mm. Number five, uh, one, Francisco El Gallo Estrada versus Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, number two. Chantel, if you are a fan of just people throwing punches. <laughs> yes. This is the fight for you. In the first fight, there was 2,133 punches thrown. And you're probably thinking to yourself, how does one double that? How do you even, well, in this fight, they threw 
combined 2,529 punches. That is complete madness. The work rate in this fight was remarkable and it was ridiculous because of the constant pressure and the fact that these two made it the whole fight. That's number five spot for me because I wonder what, what the next day entitled for them. Like, 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 did you just have your hands like this, like just in ice? Like, cause that's just ridiculous. <laughs> you to had me. To. But that's my number five, Chantel. Let's keep it going. Number four, Chantel. I got to go with one of the biggest upsets of the year. Anthony Joshua yeah. and Alexander Usyk. Listen, Usyk cleans out the cruiserweight division and then he upsets Anthony Joshua. Everyone was talking about if his power would translate to the heavyweight division. And let me tell you that he put on an absolute show. He's a technician and he boxed his ass off. I mean, this was just a remarkable fight. And I think it actually put Usyk in the conversation for pound for pound. He's yeah. on my pound for pound list when it comes to the top five. And as for Anthony Joshua, you know, it was very one of those fights where you're just thinking, you know, does AJ want to do this? I think <laughs> AJ had to go back to the drawing board. Uh, it's happened before where he, he's been upset. And uh, this was just a remarkable fight. One of the best fights of the year. I got that as number four. What about you, Akeem? Oscar Valdez upsets Miguel Burchard. Chantel, because prior towards this fight, you know, I like storylines, right? Miguel Bershalt yeah. defended his WC super featherweight title six times and coming out on top six times against Oscar Valdez before everything was even written. He was probably thinking about, man, I, I defended this thing six times. It's going to be number seven. It's going to be easy, easy work. So we thought, right, as, you're, as a champion, you never think your day is going to come. But then the fight got started. And then they got the 10th round. And Oscar Valdez hit Miguel with a shot that might be, when we're going to talk about that after, a mm -hmm. KO yeah. of the <laughs> But you know what I like the most, Chantel, is how Oscar was after the fight with this press conference. You know, they asked him, what, is this, what does this fight mean to you, right? How hard would you work for this? And all of his answers was just about his team. And I couldn't get here by myself. And all of this, and, and his humility was so, so calming. But I'm like, man, you kind of committed murder in the ring and you're out here trying to be humble, right? So, you know, uh, I, thought, I, thought, I thought just that whole concept of Miguel defending his title six times and then Oscar coming, um, and dethroning him to win the title in the way how he did it. Man, that was a great fight for me. So that comes in at number four for me, Chantel. Let's go down to number three. All right. Well, you know what? This might, might be a little bit biased, but there's storylines in this one where I had to put on the top five. It's Terrence Brad Crawford and Sean Porter. The reason mm -hmm. why I say this was because Terrence Bud Crawford was taking a lot of heat. People were saying, you know, he was ducking Errol Spence Jr. Um, you know, is he one of the best on the pound for pound list? There was so much talk. You know, people were saying that, you know, sure, he knocks out everybody, but who does he have on his resume? Well, let me tell you, Sean Porter is a very big name and he put all those doubters. They all they're all quiet now. They're not talking about Terrence Bud Crawford. Now we're talking about if he's number one or number two when it comes to him and Canelo Alvarez. And the way that Terrence Crawford boxed, he put on an absolute show. And Sean Porter, the way the fight ended, you know, when you think about his corner, you think about his dad, and the fact that he retired after this match, it's going to be a memorable moment in boxing forever. And Sean Porter, he always puts on a good fight. Like, I don't care what fight Sean Porter is in. He fights everyone, by the way. He's never been scared. You know, put some more respect on Sean Porter's name because he literally has fought everybody. 
And to me, this was one of the most entertaining fights of the year. Um, I've actually seen it a few times and it's just been such a great fight. Also, if you looked at Sean Porter after the fight, I don't know if anyone has like, you kind of bruised him up like that before. That's how much Terrence Crawford was landing. And I think when you talk about Terrence Bud Crawford, you have to put some more respect on the name. He's definitely on that pound for pound list. I have him number two right behind Canelo. Um, but to me, I think he just kind of quieted all the haters that were doubting him. And, you know, the Sean Porter storyline as well, I had to put that as number three, because I think it also was one of the most anticipated fights oh, yeah, of the year. Point. Yeah. What yeah. about you? What you got as number three? Number three, Chantel, Alexander Usyk versus Anthony Joshua, right? Let's be honest, right? Very few people expect Usyk to upset Joshua. He's the bigger person. He's stronger, right? He's this, he's this physical force, right? Um, but since Anthony Joshua's loss against Andy Ruiz, he came back and beat him, right? Then he fought uh, Kubert Pulev and KO'd him. So momentum was in his favor, right? And, 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 and you look at Usyk, and a lot of people were saying, oh, bro, this guy's a cruiserweight. Come on. Come on, people. You is Heavyweight? Yeah, he's a great cruiserweight champion, but heavyweight? Joshua's bigger than this guy. He's going to impose his will. And we even talked about it, and we said if he imposes his will and his power, it's going to be a long day for Alexander Usyk. But, Chantel, and we were heavy on the butt. We said, man, the longer this fight goes on, it could be a problem for Anthony Joshua. And as I watched the fight a couple times, and then I watched it a couple more times, I realized this kind of was kind of a one-sided fight <laughs> from the jump because Usyk came out there and he was confident. He came, look, anybody comes out there and wears a, a, a Joker outfit to the press conference, you're either insane or you are extremely confident. And he came out there and he put on a performance. And honestly, I think he could have knocked him out. There's a couple of rounds where Joshua was... Joshua's legs were a little bit wobbly. And if Usyk would have put the pressure on him and let his hands go a little bit more, I think he could have got him out of there, right? But obviously you got to respect the, the knockout punch of Anthony Joshua. But I think, man, Usyk put himself in a different category and showed that, yes, but if you want to brawl, we can brawl, right? He tried to brawl against Dylan White, uh, Chisora. Yeah. Um, but he also showed like, look, I can outbox anybody here right so that upset for me and the way how he did it goes in at number three for me Chantel we're getting down to the top two what was number two for you well man you've already mentioned this fight right here Juan Francisco Estrada versus Roman Chacolatito Gonzalez too I want the trilogy already <laughs> this was a 12 round battle as you talked about so many punches thrown when you look at the workload if you're a boxing fan, you love this fight and you were waiting for this fight, anticipating yeah. this fight, because if you know the storylines between this two, you wanted this fight. And that's why I want the trilogy so bad. Over 2,500 punches thrown. And there was controversy in it, too, because Carlos Sucre scored it 117 to 111 for Estrada. I don't know what fight he was watching, but he definitely wasn't watching this one because some actually had Chocolatito winning this one. Um, I had it pretty close. I had Chocolatito actually winning this one, but I wasn't mad that Estrada got it because it was such a good fight. Um, you know, I want the trilogy. If you haven't seen this fight, definitely go watch it. Akeem kind of broke it down. Uh, these two, we need the trilogy. Like we, we need this trilogy uh, in this coming year because this fight was absolutely incredible. I have it as my number two fight of the year. What about you, Akeem? What's your number two fight? 
Okay, Chantel, you know, I know, I know you're heavy on this guy. You've been telling me about this guy for quite some time. And I'm just like, yo, this guy, he's a great fighter, but I'm just not fully sold on certain things. And not necessarily what he does in the ring, but outside of his ring, right? When you become the champ, sometimes you get complacent. George Cambosis upsetting Teofimo Lopez until it goes into my number two, because I don't think anybody expected this to happen. Right. Teofimo is on top of the world. He just won the title. Right. He beat arguably the pound for pound number. What is he? Number six, number seven right now. But arguably one of the most skillful fighters in that weight division and the weight division below him. Right. Talking about Vasily Lomachenko and uh, he beat him. Right. Now you're going over and your life has changed, right? You're doing TV commercials. You're doing, uh, you're taking punches from that guy from, uh, from that show. Um, uh, you know, the, the, what's that? What's the Game of Thrones? That big, strong guy. You're taking punches from him. And I'm just like, bro, what are you doing? Like, yo, I, I get your core is probably right. But this man is like three, four times your size. Sometimes until we, 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 we overlook people that we think we're supposed to be. But forgetting that George Cambosis also had a lot of adversity his way as well, too. He lost one of his family members. He's staying in a different country, right? And he's trading there. And a whole bunch of things went into it, Chantel. And George Cambosis came in there with the mentality is, I'm not going home without the belt. And that, for me, was one of these fights where, yes, boxing IQ was a thing. But to me, this fight was also about heart and who wanted it more. And George Cambosis wanted it more. And in this fight, Chantel, it came my number two because he wanted it more, Chantel. The, there's a lot of upsets that happened, but this one, this was a big one. This was a big one for me. So this comes in at number two for me, Chantel. What comes I didn't in- put that on my list. I didn't put that on my list because I'm, I'm still upset that Teofimo Lopez won. But happy for George <laughs> Cambosis Jr. I know my fam in Australia. I was talking to my cousin Gav. Oh, they he were was talking, super yes. hyped. They were talking. Yeah, yeah. They, they were super hype. Um, and so we're going to see what happens if he ends up fighting, you know, Devin Haney uh, next. It's going to be really interesting. But, um, you know, Teofimo Lopez, he's going to be back and he's going to be a champion. Still very high on him just because I know the dude's super talented. Just want to throw that in there. Shout out to George, man. It's still your time. It's still your time. Chantel, number one. What's number one? I mean, come on. This is probably everyone's number one. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, number three. You know, when you think about the first two. And then just to talk about who the best heavyweight in the world is. I know when I used to say Tyson Fury before this fight, people look at me a little bit sideways. Like, are you serious right now? Are you, are you saying Tyson Fury? Uh, Tyson Fury proved that, you know, he's the best heavyweight in the world. When you think about the knockdowns in this fight, right? You just think about how all the stars showed up to this fight. Heavyweight boxing still sells. It brings out the stars. You know, all the celebrities were there. And the fight itself lived up to the hype. It went on to the later rounds. You know, Tyson Fury knocks out Wilder. And just the pandemonium after Wilder didn't shake Tyson Fury's hand. Of course, they ended up talking after, but just the camaraderie because, you know, they were talking a lot of trash to each other. And I think Tyson Fury, you know, was a little bit humble at the end, uh, gave Deontay Wilder one of his, um, you know, some of his props said that he's one of the best heavyweights in the world, but just the fight itself. Amazing. I mean, when you look at boxing this year, the fact that we can argue top five fights and not even have the same list shows you what type of year boxing yeah. had. And this one kind of, you know, was the cherry on top for, I think, boxing fans, because this was such a good fight. What about you, Akeem? Or, do you have the same fight as me for number one? 
No, no, no. I have the same one. And you gave a, a great breakdown. And there's really not much for me to add. The only thing that I would say is like, man, as a as a as a boxing fan, as a boxing supporter, um, especially in the heavyweight division. Right. What do you want to see? All the greats back then uh, that gave us these great performances, the Mike Tyson, the Lennox Lewis, the Larry Holmes, the Muhammad Ali. And the list goes on and on and on in a heavyweight fight in any fight. What do you want to see? Hard shots right? You want to see knockdowns and you want to see more hard shots, right? Like this had all of that and, and the controversy of what it was, right? The first one, the second one, you always want to know how do we settle the score? And to be quite honest, I wasn't sure what the third one's going to be. Some trilogies just shouldn't happen, right? Like, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've seen House Party, right? House Party 1 was great. Of course. House, Party, House Party 2 was great. House Party 3 was great. And I'm like, okay, cool. Let's leave it there. But House Party <laughs> 4 was terrible. And I don't even think, people, I don't even think people knew that there's a House Party 4. There's a I House, didn't know. There's also a House Party 5, but we're not going to talk about that. It should never came out. But this fight, Chantel, this trilogy will go down as one of the greatest trilogies of all time this for me as well too takes the number one spot point blank would love to know did any of our lists make your list and if you have a different list we would love to know on youtube especially in those comment sections now Chantel, i just talked about knockdowns hard hits knockdowns knockout of the year Chantel. it's so hard to pick one it's so hard to pick one so let's give two and give an honorable mention Ooh, you know what? I actually made a top five list because uh, it was so difficult for me. But I got two. I'm going to give you my two. Um, number two was Alicia Baumgartner knocking out Terry Harper. Um, you know, people that actually watched a lot of boxing knew that Baumgartner was going to get the knockout. I had only seen a few fights from Alicia and Terry Harper. There was so much hype on her. Um, I know that a lot of people had Terry Harper winning that fight and Alicia Baumgartner came out and, you know, she was quicker, more athletic, and mm. she had mm -hmm. nasty power. That knockout was insane. Terry Harper was like standing up and she was out cold. I had never seen anything like that before. As I mentioned in the previous episode, I was at the airport. I started screaming. People thought I was crazy. And I was like, that was a nasty knockout. So she is my number two. But at the same time, I feel like I have a 1A, 1B. So she would be kind of my, you know, one B. Um, it was really hard for me not to put her in number one. Also women's boxing. I think it's going to be a crazy year in 2022 and I'm super hyped for it. But, uh, you know, shout out to Alicia Baumgartner. I think she is a superstar. I think she's going to sell fights. I want to buy her merch. I, I cannot <laughs> wait for Alicia Baumgartner because to me right now, she is one of my favorite boxers in the game. And I went back and watched all of her fights incredible i think we're gonna see some big things from her um, number one i think consensus this is the knockout that a lot of people are talking about and um it's oscar valdez knocking mm. out uh miguel miguel burchell in that 10th round nasty vicious i remember where i was during this time i believe it was the same time the adrian broner fight was going on and a uh, good thing that i had recorded that one uh because uh this oscar valdez knockout for Miguel Burchell was insane, absolutely vicious. He was out cold. Like he got put into bed, took a nap, and literally it was it was a little bit scary as well because he was he was out, man. Oh, and you know, as scary, yeah. as scary as this knockout was, 
it was amazing. It was <laughs> magnificent. I have watched it so many times. And let me tell you, every time I replay it, I still have the nastiest look on my face. Like I've seen it for the first time. I remember exactly where I was. I was on the couch. I was eating popcorn. The popcorn went everywhere. And I literally was like, oh my God. And I was like running around this coffee table. And my sister was looking at me crazy. And I was like, that knockout was nasty. What about you, Akeem? Number two and number one. So I'm going to I'm going to give my honorable mention first until I got to give my honorable mention um, to Alicia Baumgartner. Um, I don't I don't I don't we never like to make light of anything that happens, especially when somebody gets knocked out. Right. Because like you're you're getting punched in the face like your 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 skull is literally hitting each other. Um, but the knockout against Terry Harper, I call that one the zombie walk, a zombie walk knockout. <laughs> because she was frozen solid. I've never seen anybody lose consciousness standing up, right? So uh, the how she set it up, the combination and the power that she generated from a short distance, right? She didn't, she didn't have, the, it was a short distance. And so for me, that gets number three. And I think anybody who fights Alicia next should definitely be weary and wondrous of what she can do with that hand, right? So the A from, from you better put the pressure on her to make and don't make her give any time to to counter you back because she has a hand on her, Chantel. Number two, going over to the UFC, Chantel. Kamari Usman, his KO against George Masvidal, okay. number two, against yes. Jorge Mas Masvidal, sorry. Um, man, I watched that shot a couple of times. And whenever you see like the sweat particles of another human being mixed with like their mouth guard, kind of just like, it was like poetry in motion. It was a beautiful knockout. That's an oxymoron, right? Because you're being knocked out. Nothing beautiful about being knocked out. But the power and the force and the torque that Kamaru put inside that right hand and the twist that George or Jorge Masvidal's hand was just ridiculous. But uh, Masvidal, he's used to taking big shots. I mean, if you don't know his career, I mean, he used to do uh, backyard fighting, right? With Kimbo Slice back in the day, right? So... If he, 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 he can dish shots, but he took a mean one, that one. Um, my number one, Chantel, is Oscar Valdez um, against Miguel Berchalt as well, too. Uh, man, anytime when somebody's legs just folds underneath you, you should be worried. But that was a clean shot. You didn't see it coming. So that, for me, was the knockout of the year. Uh, we've seen so much. Um, we could probably make a list of 50 or 60 if we really wanted to, but we'd be here all day. And I'm looking forward to the fights that we are going to see moving forward. But um, did you give your honorable mention? No, I, I didn't. I didn't. I just I just gave my two. But uh, let me get my honorable mentions. I know you did three. So if you have a couple more, you can definitely get them in there. Uh, my number five was actually uh, Kiko Martinez knocking out Kid Galahad oh, in the sixth yeah. round with that nasty overhand right amazing just because everyone was saying Kiko Martinez wasn't worthy. You know, Kid Galahad had a impressive record before then. Vicious, just absolutely vicious. He was out cold. That was a great fight. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Number four, you got to watch out for this kid. Brandon Lee, third round knockout mm. of Sam mm. Tia. This was crazy. Um, vicious. Um, Brandon Lee has raw power 
like just ridiculous power. And we're going to be hearing from him a lot more. You're going to be seeing his name. This guy is about to be a problem. Brandon Lee, make sure you have that name on your radar. And um, number three was Gabe Rosado knocking out Melikuzov. Oh my goodness. And you got you got you got to give prop like I'm a fan of Gabe Rosado and he's a little bit older now but to see him get that knockout to see him still have that power it was magnificent man I was super happy for Gabe Rosado uh this guy still has crazy power I think he's like 35 years old right now um but this was a ridiculous knockout uh, Akeem do you have any more uh, honorable mentions for knockout of the year oh man um F.A. Ajagba uh, versus Sergey Brian Howard was another vicious one. Um, I was like, yo, I don't know what's worse, right? Like, 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 obviously, being knocked out is terrible. As, as, as someone who doesn't box and not getting punched in the face, obviously, yeah. in fights, we want to see that. But I don't know what's worse, right? When it comes to the brutality of certain sports, you've seen, you remember when Dak Prescott broke his ankle? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Right? And they kind of shown that in a couple of years ago, you remember that NCAA uh, uh, young man who was going up for the dunk and he came down and his, and his, his, uh, his, his ankle was like torn. Yeah. But when you see in boxing, when you see like someone dropping to the floor, their knees buckled and their face just hits the canvas. And it's like, yo, like you're wondering, yo, is this person dead? Right. Because it's vicious. So I don't know. Um, as much as I like seeing knockouts, I hope everybody that did take these shots, I hope you're recovering well. And yeah. I, hope, I hope I hope literally for the long term that, you know, it, it, everything is OK, because um, these guys should get paid um, a whole bunch of funds. Um, and I can never knock anybody for how much fun they're taking or how much they're holding out to get paid more because they're literally putting their life on the line every single time they get into the ring. But Point Blank would love to know, what are some of your favorite knockouts of the year? Did any of our list make your list? Let us know, especially in that YouTube comment section. Chantel, Yo, hold up, hold up. You forgot to mention uh, Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley too. Just joking, but it was a good Before knockout. Before we close things out, <laughs> Chantel, I'm not even going to acknowledge that. Before we close things out, look, the year has been, um, is. I don't, I really don't know what, what, what word to use apart from kind of interesting, right? Because interesting sometimes can be good. It can be, it can go the other way. And this year has been a lot of different things to a lot of people. Um, we're still fighting and battling the pandemic. Um, no one gets through life without going through something. Um, Chantel, if there was a lesson that you learned from this year, 2021, what, what, what lesson do you think that was for you? Um, the number one lesson that I think I learned was to appreciate the people that are there and to not worry about the ones that aren't. Um, I think in life, you know, we're always like super fast paced and we got to take time to slow down. But for me, it was just appreciating the people that were around me. And, you know, during the pandemic, checked up on me, like just those small things to me meant a lot. And I hope when I did the same, when I reciprocated, it was the exact same thing, because I think the last two years, it put a whole bunch of things into perspective. And for me, you know, just knowing that I had, you know, some really good, genuine people in my corner, um, I just have such an appreciation for them much more. And everyone, I'm really big into fate. I, I know Akeem knows this, um, you know, everyone that is supposed to be in your life will be in your life. And I think that's, you know, one of the most important lessons that I learned as I try to grow every year and every day. What about you, Akeem? What's the biggest lesson that you learned? 
I mean, I feel like I've <laughs> learned a lot of different things. Um, you know, I think I think for me, if I had to narrow it down, um, it would be every every season is every season leaves room for what you need. And what I mean by that is, you know, as the new year is about to come upon us, you know, people always say, oh, this is my year, right? And if they didn't say it this year, they probably said it last year, the year before that. But realistically, every year is not going to be your year, right? Maybe it's not your year um, of, you know, prosperity in certain areas, but probably throughout the way, it's been your year of solidifying some things that you need. Maybe you needed more patience. Maybe you needed to double down on your faith a lot more. Maybe you needed to uh, lose some people in your life to see who's really there for you. Maybe you needed to lose certain things to gain other things. So for me, um, I think I think if it's one thing I've learned this year, it's um, whatever you need, life is going to show you what you need. You don't always get what you want, and that's okay. So the understanding that everything you want, you may not get right away, but you probably get everything that you need, right? So while it may not be your year of material gain, it was probably your year of finding you probably your year of figuring out your true strength, probably your year of figuring out what it is that you want out of life, probably your year of maybe, you know, starting that business or putting your faith in action or taking that risk, right? So for me, it was the year of what is needed is going to find its way into your life. Uh, we would love to know what has this year been for you. You can definitely let us know in our, in our comment section on YouTube. But uh, before we go, um, you know, I just want to say thank you to our listeners who have supported the show since uh, since day one. You know, this is episode 16. Um, yeah. And we started this in September now. Right. And each week we've been seeing uh, growth on all of our social platforms and interactions, especially on YouTube. Look, this is not one of these channels where you can't come on and have disagreements. Right. We've we've had disagreements with some of our people in our comment section, but it's never been disrespectful. And you don't want to come to either or with disrespect, right? Because as us basing our opinions, right, you chime in and share your opinions and we can have a conversation about what we see from different perspectives, right? So this is part of what this show is about, different perspective, but also bringing a wholesome feel where it's a community and we never take it for granted. So we appreciate, and I mean truly appreciate each and every single one of you that tune in each week, whether you tweet, you know, you, you, uh, you retweet, you like, whether you share this YouTube uh, with a friend, whatever the case may be, however you interact with us, you know, we truly appreciate it. And we hope that you have been getting something from the show apart from just entertainment, where you get some other things um, as well. And I know next year, uh, we got a bunch of things in the works, a uh, bunch of things that we're looking forward to, um, including a, including a, a, a YouTube live that, that, you know, that we're going to yes. discuss once we get to a certain amount of uh, subscribers on YouTube. So make sure you go and share this with a friend out there. Um, any other things you'd like to share, Chantel, as we close out the year? No, I think you said it perfectly. You know, I just want to say thank you so much for everyone that has supported the channel. If you've subscribed, if you left a comment, even if you watch, you know, a small clip on IG or on Twitter, I really appreciate it. I know Akeem just says that he did, does as well. And um, it really means a lot to us. So big things coming in 2022. And we hope you join us for the ride. Hey, so with that being said, uh, I'm Akeem Haynes. I'm Chantel Chan. And this is Point Blank. And we will see you next year. Happy New Year. <laughs>